Hello and welcome to episode number 36 of the Atlanta Man podcast. I am your host, Ryan Rogers, and on today's episode, we'll be discussing the Atlanta Falcons as they escape against the uh, the pesky Detroit Lions, and we'll also get into the Hawks and um, all of their troubles with uh, COVID and just how shorthanded they are and uh, just seems like every other hour a new player is uh, falling off the board for them, but we'll get into that in just a minute as we're going to discuss the Falcons first on this episode. And the Falcons, um, you know, it looks like they, they made this game on Sunday way harder than it needed to be. They were up against the Detroit Lions, who hold a record coming into this game of 2-11-1. and one. So um, not a good not a good record for them at all. They've been one of the worst teams in the league all year, but as of late, they have um, they've won some football games. Um, you know they beat the Cardinals last week, thirty to twelve, in a huge upset win. And then two weeks before that, they got their first win of the year against the Vikings. And Lions are a team. You know they're really they really haven't been good this year, but um, you know they have played all their opponents pretty close and have been very have, have had a lot of fight in them that's the way I'll put it because um, they throughout the entire season they um they've kind of lost in heartbreaking fashion and very close games over and over again so that they're definitely definitely probably better than their record indicates coming to this game and how they played last week against the Arizona Cardinals who are a playoff team they destroyed them so they're definitely better than the two eleven one team that came into this game, and I think that they um, definitely showed that to the Falcons. Um, one thing of note regarding the Lions um, pregame is that Jared Goff was not playing in this game, their starting quarterback. Um, he was out with COVID protocol, so they would have to go with their dangerous backup, Tim Boyle, um, and he actually played pretty well in this game. Um, wasn't awesome or anything, but he was able to manage the Lions into almost winning this game on a game-winning drive, but it was a uh, Stop short. We'll get into that later. Um, but we'll get into the happenings early on in this game. Um, Falcons get the ball first in this game. They uh, can't do nothing. Can't get any points out of it. End up having to punt it to the Lions. And then the Lions' first possession, they go on a very, very long drive. A 13-play, 54-yard drive that took up 7 minutes and 34 seconds. And uh, they only got a field goal, but a pretty long and methodical drive by the Lions. Um that's kind of been one of their things this year. They showed um, they had one last week against the Cardinals where there was like a 13-minute drive, but it only only resulted in a field goal again. So that's I guess that's an issue for them. Uh, Falcons go three and out on their next possession punt, and then the the Lions go three and out on their next possession and punt, and they brings it back to the Falcons. Um, they get one playoff before the quarter ends, um, and it makes it second and one heading into the second quarter, and the Falcons go down the field. And they score on a Cordero Patterson six-yard touchdown run to make it seven to three, with 10:53 left in the second. And then they punt it back, or they kick off to the Lions, and they go downfield. Another long drive for them: 11 plays, 75 yards, seven minutes and nine seconds. This time, resulting in a touchdown uh, to Amari St. Brown, their really good rookie wide receiver, who has been very good for them this year. Um, they score with 3.44 left in the second, and that leaves time on the clock for the Falcons to go and kick a field goal. Uh, they do that with 1 minute and 4 seconds left. Left a little bit of time on the clock for the Lions, but they weren't able to do anything with that. 
Um, couldn't get into field goal range or anything. So that left the score tied at 10 at the half. Um, so, you know, not not the prettiest first quarter at all for the Falcons. Offense wasn't great. The defense, um, you know, didn't look spectacular either, but just kind of a middling first half, I'd say. 10-10, you know, that's kind of what you expect. You know, nothing too great on either side um, heading into the halftime break. Uh, so we'll move on now to the third quarter. And um, Lions got the ball first, three and out, um, punted to the Falcons, and they go down and kick a field goal on their first possession of the second half, a 48-yarder from Youngway Koo with 10-11 left um, in the third quarter. So it's 13-10 to at that point for the Falcons. And then they kick it off to the Lions, and they go on a 12-play 56-yard drive for seven minutes, another pretty long drive for the Lions. And um, they result in another field goal. They tie the game. Falcons get the ball back and go on a pretty solid drive of their own. 10 plays, 71 yards for five minutes. And they score a touchdown. Um, Russell Gage, or um, rather Hayden Hurst, rather, catches a 12-yard touchdown pass for Matt Ryan. Young Hui Ku's extra point is good with 13-04 left in the fourth quarter. And here is where things get interesting. The Lions kind of kick a questionable-ish field goal. Um, another pretty long drive for them um <laughs> this one isn't even pretty long this is their longest one of the game a 17 play 66 yard drive that took up 10 minutes and 26 seconds of the clock um and they get the ball to the atlanta eight or atlanta five actually on third and two they lose three yards on the play and it's fourth and five for the eight with two minutes and 38 seconds left and they kick a field goal which is interesting because it actually somehow worked out for them uh, as in regards of getting the ball back, um, but that's just kind of a bad call and kind of seems out of character for Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach. He seems to have erred on the side of aggressiveness this year with, you know, not a very competitive team. You kind of just go for the win, and they did not do that here. Um, kicking a field goal at the 8-yard line with 2 minutes and 38 seconds left in a game where you're down to touchdown is pretty bad, I'd say. Like, I mean, I know it kind of worked out. We'll get into that in a second of how it worked out, um, for, for at least for a couple seconds for them. But I mean, yeah, that's kind of kind of interesting. Um, I can't re recall the timeout situation at the top of my head. I think the Falcons had all three timeouts, and I think the Lions only had like two. I wish I knew that, but I don't know the timeout situation off the top of my head. But any either way, um. It's a very interesting call. So kick a field goal, and they uh, kick off to the Falcons. Regular kickoff. They didn't try an onside kick. There's regular kickoff and a touchback. And the Falcons, they they tried to Falcon this up really, really hard. And they did Falcon it up for a little bit. Um, so drive starts. Cordero Patterson has a three-yard gain. Then they timeout Detroit. Yeah, so Det Detroit had um, all three timeouts. Clarifying that. can see that now. Didn't know that until I clicked on this possession for the Falcons. But, yeah, Detroit had all three timeouts. So that was their plan was to get a three and out here. Uh, so they call a timeout after the Cordero Patterson run. Um, so then Mike Davis runs, gets nothing, timeout number two. And then on third and seven, uh, with 2.19 left in the game, Falcons go for a pass, a short pass to Russell Gage. And he fumbles it. He fumbles it, recovered by Reeves and Maben, or knocked out by Reeves and Maben of the Lions, recovered by Marlowe at the Atlanta 37-yard line. A crucial, crucial fumble with two minutes left in the game. And it gave the Lions great field position, just an absolutely brutal fumble. 
and um, it looked like the Lions were about to go down there and win this game because of the great field position they had. And their drive started off pretty good. Uh, a four-yard gain to start, and then a uh, another four-yard gain. Get Falcons got to third and two, but Tim Boyle was able to convert to make it first and ten. Uh, first and ten now at the Atlanta 17-yard line. Um, and then they go to Kennedy for a eight-yard gain. It is at the Atlanta nine now, second and three. And on a first and goal at the nine after they get the second and three, Tim Boyle throws one right to Foye Aluakon, and he bails out Russell Gage in the biggest way possible. That was the dagger, wins the game. Falcons win 20-16 by the skin of their teeth. Russell Gage needs to send Foye Aluakon, like an edible arrangement, a gift basket, a, some, a gift of some kind, because if he doesn't get that interception the Lions go down and score a touchdown, then Russell Gage is... Things aren't looking good for him because that is a brutal fumble, but he got bailed out big time, and I mean it, it was unexpected. I mean when when Gage fumbled that, I thought that that was that. You know, Tim Boyle was about to go rip my heart out. He had great field position, and it would just been it would just been um, peak Falcons to do that. But Foyer did not let that happen, and I I commend him for that. That's it was an awesome play. You know, Tim Boyle just kind of threw it right to him. Um, was not a good pass at all. I mean, looking back on the playoffs, like, it was just pretty bad pass by Tim Boyle. And he had played a pretty solid game up until then, like I said. But, um, yeah, just right to Foyer, and I'm glad he did. And the Falcons hang on, and they hang on to their uh, playoff hopes for another week as uh, they are still in the mix somehow, somewhere. They're 7-8, and eight, and uh, going to look at the standings right now. Um, they are still right there. Um, it's still a pretty long shot for them to get in. Um, they got two teams in front of them right now, um, the Vikings and the Saints, who are 7-7 seven and seven and play tonight against the Miami Dolphins, who are on a six-game winning streak. So could be a, a losable game for the Saints. So if they lost, they would be 7-8, and eight and the Falcons would hop them because of the tiebreaker that they own over them. So they really need um, – Falcons need – the two teams that are in right now ahead of them that are actually in the playoffs are the 8 and 7 49ers and the 8 and 7 Eagles and they need them to lose um, their next couple games. Um, they don't have the tiebreaker with the 49ers so they kind of need they need them to lose out and the Falcons win out and they need the Eagles to just um, maybe just lose one. I don't know what the tiebreaker situation is with Philadelphia. Um, that would have to be seen as we get closer, but Falcons what they need to do right now is just focus on winning. That's the only way they can keep themselves alive. Um, that's something they can control, and they have a tough task next week, as they have to travel up to Buffalo. Um, and it might it might be a snow game. I don't know what it's going to be like in Buffalo, but the nine and six Buffalo Bills are coming off a huge win against the Patriots, um, a huge division win for them that um, ties them up with the Pats. And it's going to be a tough game. The Falcons open up as fourteen point underdogs um, in Buffalo, which. Which is a lot. That's a lot of points, um, especially for a Falcons team that's like, like almost five hundred. You know, when you see a fourteen point spread in the NFL, it's usually, you know, a, a behemoth. Like it'd be like Packers Jets would be fourteen point spread usually. Not Bills. The Bills are a good team, not a a world eater or anything. The Falcons are seven and eight. They're not, you know, in contention for the first pick. They're still alive for the playoffs. So, 
very large spread in this game. You know, the Falcons play football too. They're a professional football team, and they're um, they're getting paid to do this too. You know, so I, I that's an interesting line, I'd say. Um, but the Bills are good. Don't get me wrong, the Bills are good, and they just came off a huge win against the Patriots, so they could have could have sparked some momentum. They got they got a bunch of talent. They got Stephon Diggs. They got Josh Allen. All those guys, you know, they're good. They're they're a good team, and the Falcons should not be favored to win this game by any means. But I just think fourteen points is a lot of points. It's a lot of points. That's all I'll say. Uh, so, moving on from there, we'll uh, we'll kick the Falcons stuff to the curb, and um, I'll let you know next week if they're still alive for the playoffs. Because it's kind of just been like a running joke for the past you know four or five weeks that uh, this Falcons team they're right in the playoff mix, and I'm just kind of expecting them to completely collapse and fall out of it. And they just haven't done that yet. They've done just enough to stay in the mix. Um, it'll take a miracle for them to get in. A lot of things have to happen. They need a lot of help. Um, but, you know, there's two games left in the season, and you're still alive for the playoffs. So that's um, kind of what uh, all you can ask for with a team like this. So move on to the COVID-ravaged Atlanta Hawks. Um, a lot to talk about with the Hawks. So we will get well, – so I don't even know where to start really with them because a lot has happened last week. So – Last time I record, recorded, their game against the Cleveland Cavaliers got postponed due to COVID. Um, one of the one of the COVID cases that caused postponement for that game was Trey Young. Um, so that was last Monday, I believe, when that game got postponed. Um, they did play three games this week, um, and they went one and two um, with just kind of half of their roster. Um, right now, I'm just going to go ahead and list all of the players that are currently under health and safety protocols. Here we go. Trey Young, John Collins, Kevin Herter, um, DeAndre Hunter is out, but now with COVID, he's just out with injury. Danilo Gallinari, Anyeka Kongwu, Lou Williams, TLC, Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, Wesley Wundu, and Solomon Hill is out with injury for Atlanta. So um, that was this morning. And then coming in about an hour ago, DeLon Wright is out in health and safety protocol. So that's another player out with COVID. Um, that puts the Hawks' situation for their game tonight against the Bulls something like this. Um, they have Skylar Mays. They signed Cat Barber on a 10-day hardship contract, which they've done a lot of those. Um, they have Bogdanovich, Cam Reddish. Lance Stevenson, um, they've signed another, they've, they signed a couple more hardship 10-day contracts. Um, Shondi Brown, 10-day hardship contract, they signed him to that this morning. Um, let me see if I can pull up the other ones because there's been just so many transactions with the Hawks in the past um, three days. Uh, but yeah, it says um, that with Shondi Brown signed to the Hawks, they will have 23 players on their roster. Which is, I mean, you're you're reaching the MLB limit of 26, and this is basketball. Um, you know, obviously not all these guys are playing, um, but you, you know, like it's the, the fact that they've had to sign 23 players to their active roster this season is um pretty insane. You know, I really don't need to get into all the 10-day hardship contracts. Um, you know, Cat Barber, Shondi Brown, um, they've signed they signed Wessel Windu to one, and he got COVID. Um, Lance Stevenson is on one right now. Um, you know. The probably probably familiar with Lance Stevenson. If you're not, he's the guy that blew in LeBron James' ear um, about ten years ago or so, a pretty long time ago. Um, but yeah, at any rate, the Hawks have a ton of players out with COVID, and pretty much their best players 
Um, some of their best players, Trey Young and John Collins, their two best are out. Kevin Herter out, Gallinari out, Okongwu, who they just got back, is out, um, which that's kind of got overshadowed in all this COVID stuff is that you know, Anyeka Okongwu actually returned from his labrum injury this week, and Bogdan Bogdanovich returned from his injury as well on Wednesday. So we'll get into that now against the Orlando Magic. Uh, the Hawks played on Wednesday night. The Magic are also uh, pretty beat up with COVID. Uh, so it was just kind of like, um, I don't even know how to put it, just a battle of the replacements, the backups, don't know how to put it. The Hawks still had still had talent on the court for sure. John Collins was able to play in this game. They had Cam Reddish, like I said, and Yeka Kongwu came back. Bogdan Bogdanovich came back. Uh, so yeah, the Hawks still had some talented players on the floor for sure but they were not able to pull this one out against the Magic. They dropped it 104-98. to 98. Um, Cam Reddish had a very good game, uh, 34 points for him, 6 of 10 from 3, um, 11 of 23 from the floor. Collins was good, 28 points on 9 of 17 shooting. He had three threes at 12 rebounds. Really good stuff from him. Um, as far as Akangu went, um, 19 minutes for him. Again, like I, like I said, he just got back from his labrum injury, so he he is on some kind of limit or minutes restriction. Um, he had eight points on two or three shooting and seven rebounds, which is pretty pretty solid in um, just 19 minutes. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely like a solid debut to the season with him. Plus 12 um, in the plus minus category, which uh, was tied for first on the team with Bogey, who also returned, and uh, funny enough, Lance Stevenson with a plus 12. Um, plus minus, I'm on 0 of 4 shooting and one point. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Lance Lance was in the game at the right time, I'd say, because he had that plus 12. Um, and like I just mentioned, Bogdan Bogdanovich didn't have the best game shooting wise, but he did hit some big buckets um, down the stretch in this game. Two of nine shooting, one of five from three. Had had six points and a plus 12 plus minus. So him and a Kongwu. Um, had a pretty pretty solidish returns um, to the court, I would say. He played three more minutes in a Kongwu, but it wasn't enough. Uh, the Magic prevailed 104 to 98. Um, Franz Wagner, Franz Wagner rather, had a really good game. Their rookie uh, out of Michigan, he had 25 points, so he kind of carried the load while um, they they were um, COVID ridden as well. They had to sign some 10 day hardship contracts. They had Admiral Schofield out there for them, um, who they just had to sign. So, yeah, some interesting names were flying around this game. Lance Stevenson, Schofield. Um, yeah, just a lot a lot of interesting things um, going on with these um, COVID games, I guess you could call them. So we'll move on to Thursday night's game against the 76ers. Um, heading into this game, see if there's been any new COVID in this one. Um, I don't think so. Uh, Sharif Cooper and Kevin Herter ended, um, ended up being out for this game with COVID. So those were the two new additions to the COVID list in this game. And the Hawks actually pulled out a massive victory in this game. Um, on the road against Philadelphia, Philadelphia had a rest advantage, and they are not ravaged by COVID. Um, Philadelphia's not having the greatest season ever. They're kind of having a middling year, very similar to the Hawks. Um, obviously, they're without Ben Simmons because he's still holding out and all that good stuff. So, um, yeah, the Hawks were able to go in here and get a huge win. Um Kind of a collective team effort. No player had more than 20 points, but they had one, two, three, four, five, six players and um, double-digit points, which was uh, very helpful. Um, Collins led the way with um, 17. Reddish had 18 as well. 
Those are the two leading scorers. Onyeka Kongwu, very solid again in this game. 13 points, 8 rebounds, 6 of 10 shooting. Um, Bogey had big, big buckets down the stretch in this one. 417 shooting. He struggled very early on, but he hit some key shots down the stretch in this one. Um, he had 15 points and uh, made one of his 9-3 attempts, which isn't great, but like I said, he made them when they counted or when they, when they really needed them. Um, and, yeah, um, Philadelphia had a wide-open shot for Joel Embiid to tie the game and send to overtime. And I'm when I mean wide open, it was a mid-range shot, and Embiid was wide open, and he cannot get it to fall. And the Hawks hung on and got a really big win against the Sixers. I mean, this was not a game they were supposed to win at all. So being able to go into Philly, who is not terrible, and uh, make them look terrible by them losing this game is something else. So, yeah, that was a big win. Um, big win heading into Christmas as they had their fabled Christmas matchup with the New York Knicks. And, um, you know, some of the buzz in this game was definitely, definitely stifled with all the COVID. Um, Hawks had more COVID going into this game. Kongu ended up being out. Um, Clint Capella, who was out with COVID, who I didn't really get to mention, but he was out with COVID um, for the first two games of the week. He was able to clear protocols on Christmas morning and ended up playing. Um, wasn't very good in the game, but he did um, end up playing. Like I said, Yeka Kongu ended up um, being out for this game. And um, then later on, uh, Jalen Johnson and John Collins that night, I believe, ended up being out on COVID protocols as well. So, yeah, it's um, this game was pretty interesting. Hawks fell behind, and sure, the Hawks fell behind 19-3 to to start the game, which is just astoundingly bad. Um, just, yeah, just really a terrible start for them. 19-3, the offense was terrible, but they were able to scratch and claw their way back into it. And um, at the end of the first quarter, Things were not terrible. They were only down by nine points when they started out the game, nineteen to three. They were only down thirty to twenty one, which um isn't like considering the start isn't a disaster by any means. It's it's a like a fine quarter, you know. If you tell me that you start the game off trailing nineteen to three, and at the end of the first it's thirty to twenty one, you take that. Um, so they definitely were able to fight their way back into it, and they were able to cut the lead um down to about four points in the second quarter, which I mean. Okay, that's not bad at all. Yeah, they got it down to a um, a pretty manageable deficit in this game. Um, the closest they got it, I believe, was four. Like I'm trying to find it here. It might have been the third quarter when they got it pretty close, or it might have been just five points. Um, they got it to like a like a pretty manageable forty-one to thirty-six score. Which I mean, you're right in the ball game at that point. That was in the second quarter, but the Hawks never led in this game. Um, you know, they were always they were fighting from behind the entire game. And the Knicks went on some pretty big runs in the second half, a big 16-4 to run um, in the in the fourth quarter, I believe, to really just kind of put the dagger in, in the heart of the Hawks. Uh, so, yeah, they ended up winning 101-87, to but, you know, it was just kind of a miracle that the Hawks were able to be in the game for as long as they were, considering the start that they had. Um, just kind of bad bookends to this one for Atlanta. Um, a lot of garbage time at the end for them to be able to make it look a little bit closer because the Knicks were leading by 20-plus for a majority of the fourth quarter up until the end. The Hawks able to cut it to a 14-point um, final, which made it look a little bit better than it actually was. So that's um, that is that's that from for this game. Really just um, not a very good like Christmas Day game. It just really sucks. Um, for the Hawks, this is their first Christmas Day game since 1989, which is just kind of insane. 
and they were without Trey Young, obviously, without Kongwu, without Herter, um, DeAndre Hunter's out with injury. You know, there's just a bunch of COVID injuries, all that stuff. Um, really held the Hawks back in this game and held the offense back. Um, only scored 87 points. You know, they were they're really missing Trey Young right now because it's been it's been noted and it's been talked about a lot how bad the offense has been without Trey Young on the floor this year. Just um in the games he has played where he needs to rest. Um, it's it's bad without Trey, and um, hopefully they can get him back soon. Um, he's not going to be back for the nice game against the Bulls, as the Hawks are going to be down to more players tonight. Um, so it's it's going to be very very interesting with how the Hawks look tonight against the Bulls. Um, they have a pretty big rest advantage against Chicago, and the Chicago has a little bit of COVID of their own. Uh, Lonzo Ball is out with COVID for them. I think Alex Caruso might be out with COVID. His might be a regular injury, um, but. Yeah, it's um, it's not good. So the official COVID report right now for the Hawks goes as followed: their newest addition, Delon Wright, out; Kevin Herter, out; Trey Young, out; Jalen Johnson, out; John Collins, out; Anyeka Kongu, out; Wesley Wundu, out; Sharif Cooper, out; Lou Williams, out; TLC, out; Daniel Gallinari, out. That's all the COVID players that the Hawks have right now. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 players out with COVID. And they're pretty much the crux of the team, which um, is bad enough. But when you also consider that DeAndre Hunter is still out with his wrist injury, um, he's still about two to three weeks away. And Solomon Hill, who, you know, isn't super sexy or anything, but he is like de- if Solomon Hill was healthy right now, um, he would definitely get, be getting minutes for the Hawks. There's no doubt about that. He's out for the year with his hamstring tear. So all the all things considered, the Hawks roster right now is just there's just not much there. You know you have Capella back. I mean you have Cam Reddish, but yeah, I mean both even like Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper. Like this would be the perfect time for those guys to be getting some minutes and playing a good bit while. Everyone's out with COVID and get them some good um, NBA experience while they're outside of the G League. But, I mean, they're out with COVID, so you can't you can't really play them. It would be a great time for a Kongwu to ease his way back in from injury, but he gets COVID after playing, what, one or two two games? And, and you got Bogdan, who he's making his way back from his injury, so... Um, like he'll 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 have a chance to play. Hopefully they'll lift his minutes restriction up a little bit. But they'll have him. They have Cam. They have Capella. They'll be in the starting lineup. I I'm assuming Skylar Mays is going to start a point guard tonight. And I don't know what they're going to do at power forward. Uh, let me look here, of who they actually have available. Um at uh at power forward tonight because there's no Collins. Um so, let's see what the Hawks have going on right now. So they have Capella, they have Gorgie Jing. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do at Power 4 tonight. They might, they, they could go Twin Towers and go Capella Jang if they really wanted to do that. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be tough. Um, they got they got Cat Barber and Skylar Mays at point guard. Their wings are Bogdanovich, Reddish, Lance Stevenson, Hill, Ellison, and Brown. Um, Hill, Ellison, and Brown are all of the ten day hardship guys. So three wings of of hardship players, and then you have Cat Barber, a, a guard as a hardship player. 
Um, it's going to be very interesting how the Hawks look tonight um, because DeLon Wright had been playing pretty well. He played pretty well in the second half against the Knicks, kind of kept Hawks in the game. And, um, yeah, he's a, he's a guy that's been pretty solid this year as a backup point guard. He's been getting a little bit of slander, which I don't really appreciate because I think he's been a lot better than people give him credit for um, as a backup point guard. Um, but, yeah, he had been getting the starts of point guard since Trey had been out, so I guess this is going to be all Skylar Mays now, which, you know, I like Skylar Mays, but I don't like him as our starting point guard. But, you know, it's hard to like anything going on right now with all the COVID and all that's going on with the team. So hopefully they can just survive this, keep their head above water, tread water, if you will, until they can get their guys back. Because when they get everybody back, um, you know, because now that you have Bogey and the Congo back from their actual injuries, you um you have you have you actually have your roster back and and some somewhat from your reg regular injuries instead of just COVID, and you, like I said, um, DeAndre Hunter is about two or three weeks away. So once you get him back, you have the majority of your guys back, and um, hopefully everybody else can stay healthy, and maybe you can actually find something when when you have your all your team together for once this season. Um, which it doesn't seem like they have all been on this on the floor at once um a, a lot this year. So. Uh, yeah, that's about it for the Hawks. Um, you know, hopefully the COVID will just relax. Um, the Hawks have been able to keep eight players, which is the the minimum amount you have to play a game is eight. And with all the hardship contracts and all the replacement players, they've been able to do that. So they'll keep playing until they can't, I guess. Uh, so yeah, um, that'll do it for this episode. If you made it this far listening, I really appreciate it. And I'll be back next week, so I will see you in the next one. Thank you.